Our kids have said to us since we moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. But Anthony, that sounded really good, man. Oh, thanks. Uh, one of the two, one of the strings is a little out of tune. It would have sounded Whatever better. Whatever it was, you know, whether the string was out of tune or not, it still sounded good. And that should be a little foreshadowing of something that we're going to talk about uh, a little later on in the show. In the meanwhile, how are you, Anthony? How was your week? Oh, it's pretty good. Uh, you know, I've been doing some in-person shows uh, a little bit more this week. And now, are you back in Denver, or are you still out in L.A.? Uh, back in, in Denver now, but I'll be back in L.A. Uh, next week, next Wednesday, at the, uh, I, the I, Terragram Ballroom. Does... Yeah, I, where are you going to be? The Terragram Ballroom. All right, listen, L.A. folks, go out and see Anthony, man. He's a very, very funny dude, and um, you know he'll play his guitar, you know, but it'll be completely tuned. Uh, is Dustin going to be before him? <laughs> Is Dustin going to be out there? I don't know. I think uh, I talked to him about uh, this second LA trip, and I think he's in Vegas. Yes, for at least I some of it. I th- see. That's the, that's the key. You shouldn't have told him you're going out to LA because <laughs> he booked the show immediately. Of, of course, he's like, I don't care. I'll pay to get on the trip, but I will not be in LA. Uh, Anthony, I would have loved him, brother, but. <laughs> I don't know why I made him sound like Hulk Hogan. I would have loved him, brother. <laughs> uh, know what we have to do? What do we have we to have, do? We have to shout out uh, Adam. Today is Adam's birthday. It is? Yeah, he's 75. And um, he, so, so it's a very special birthday for him. And Anthony comes home from L.A. Um, Adam is coming home from L.A. as well. Wow. See, Adam, Adam is a true... Yeah, he was supposed to be on the show with us, but you know how uh, great and how efficient the uh, airlines are these days, right? Yes. Yeah, Very. I think Adam has. I think Adam is experiencing like a, a nine hour delay on his, oh. uh, you know, coming back from LA to New York. So he he's, he's probably in flight as we're speaking. But um, if you listen to this uh, at some point, Adam, uh, we wish you a happy birthday, man! Happy birthday! Spending yeah. it. Uh, on uh, on uh, layover <laughs> or whatever. That's the perfect way to spend a birthday. But um, okay, so we got a couple of things uh, to talk about this week. Um, let's, let's talk a little bit of of comedy. And you know, this is uh, this is this is a hard one to talk about. Um, 
Let's talk about Norm McDonald, who, you know, we got the news yesterday that Norm uh, passed away. Uh, I was a huge, huge Norm fan. How about yourself, man? Oh, yeah. Huge. Since um, since he was on uh, SNL. He was my favorite uh, Weekend Update anchor by far. He was, he was phenomenal at, as an anchor. I liked him. I thought Chevy Chase did a good job as, as, with the update. I thought Kevin Nealon. Was Kevin Nealon was great too. He was the one I grew up with, you know, as a little kid. And then Norm was, you know, at that well, when did he start? I was like junior high, I think, by then. So was, you know, he was kind of perfect. Yeah, Norm. Norm was like, man, he was he was an original. Um, this, this is Dustin's vinyl. We you know we talk music and albums, and there are two albums. Uh, let's discuss a little bit with norm in 2006 yeah. uh he had an album out called ridiculous i don't, I don't know if you know these bits but there i wrote down some bits I, that really always stood out to me he did a bit called the fantastic four where they're talking about the naming of like of you know the four ta- fantastic four is yeah you know, the mm-hmm. superheroes yeah superheroes right so we had like what the flame guy who's a flame who turns into fire then, yeah. then the rock guy who was um, the thing, right? And then yeah. and then Norm's guy was Mister Fantastic. <laughs> and then the other members like, hold on a second, I'm just a flame, the thing, and you're Mister Fantastic. Do you think we could change the names around? He's like, no, 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 that's it. It's on Mister Fantastic. <laughs> I thought that was a brilliant bit. He also did another one. Um, uh, <laughs> the world's first gay guys. Did you ever I, that one? I don't know this bit. Mm-mm. It's two guys having sex for the first time. <laughs> yeah. you, can, you can imagine what this would be. He also did one where uh, about Superman called Stan and Lois and gambling sportscaster. Okay. Where this guy puts money, but he doesn't, you know, on, on, on a quarterback. And then, then the quarterback comes into exposure with someone who has like this very contagious flu. <laughs> and then at halftime, once I'm getting the flu and having temperature and he's losing all this money on it and he's, and he's talking it up. It's a, it's a great bit, but they're not, they're not stand up. You know, it's, it's him doing these recorded bits like sketches, but on record. Oh, Oh, so that one's not live. No, no, no bits. These, these are actually like sketches. Kind of like, do you do you remember uh, or did you listen to Cheech and Chong? Oh yeah, know? I had I had some of the I had uh, Cheech and Chong's greatest hit on CD. <laughs> Speaking of them, nice. Someone yeah, Cheech actually gave this to me last Christmas. It's an autograph, autograph right? picture. Nice. Yeah, yeah. Up in Smoke was a, a great a great movie. Great movie. Um, yeah, but the, so ridiculous is kind of that. It's 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 recorded bits where he's doing. So it's um, so there's skits it, again along the right along the, the lines of of a Cheech and Chong. So it came out in 2006, and then ten just ten years ago, ten short years ago goes by so quick. Um, he had an album out called Me Doing Stand Up, and yes, this, this one I'm familiar with. I saw the special and. Uh, Right, yeah, that, and that one's I, great. Like some, like the 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 ones that stand. There's so many that stand out to me, but some like let's see, um, best disease ever. 
where, you know, he's talking about somebody, you know, you know, they're comparing diseases and one guy has uh, bowel cancer and he's talking about the horrors of campaigns of bowel, bowel, uh, bowel cancer. And he's going into detail and they're like, what's your disease? Alcoholism. And what are the symptoms? You know, I get happy. And then sometimes I find someone who has the same disease and we fuck. <laughs> yeah, that was known, man. He was he was awesome. How about Ed, do you remember the bit couldn't be prouder? Uh no, I don't know this one. Uh this one was he would be talking, he was talking about like you know, this old guy, uh McCluskey. And he's talking, and everyone's talking about their son. And you know, because he said he was he was at he was at a uh, a gay pride uh, rally, and he said he was, was kind of weird. He saw like parents holding up signs that say, "I'm proud of my gay son." He's like, "I can understand, it. you know, but proud is that the right word to do? Proud?" And then he so, then he starts like describing. It's like, "Oh, oh, my son. Let me c- c- come around, guys. Let me explain my son. He's he's um." He's a, he's a, just graduated at the top of his class. He was just offered this, this great job. And oh, by the way, he you know he just got a bonus as well. Oh, and by the way, he loves cock. Oh, the kid can't get enough of it. You know, you never, did you ever remember that bit? I no, I don't remember that bit actually. Oh fuck, man, it is so funny. It's and, and you know it's like Norm's voice and his cadence and the way he delivered a, a line. It was just really really good. Man, you know, he is someone who is going to be missed. And yeah. um, anyone who's li- listening to this show, um, if you get the opportunity, this is these are two comedy albums. Absolutely. One hundred percent worth definitely picking up. Yeah. Yeah. He's he's one of the best. I loved his uh, uh, when he did the roast of Bob Saget. Oh, I heard he murdered on it, right? That I mean, I, I don't, I don't know if I've laughed harder since I saw that on on TV. Uh, just it was because it was total anti humor, you know, stuff like uh, he's Ex- like ex- uh, explain what explain what you mean by anti humor for someone who may not get that. <laughs> well, it was supposed to sort of be intentionally lame jokes for this <laughs> roast, like kind of classic old. Um, you know, old style materials. So stuff like, uh, you know, later on, you'll, if you need to use the bathroom, you'll see a door that says, gentlemen, pay no heed, go right in. (laughs) There is no door that says scoundrel or something like that. There's no uh, door with scoundrel on it, I think is what he says. It's like you don't even have to deliver good. You could just understand the premise, and it's funny. <laughs> well, it's, it's his delivery. You know, nobody can really deliver it like him either. Half that's of right. it, it's almost like it's, if if anybody was uh, similar with delivery, delivery, it, it was Letterman or is Letterman. You know, like the when they're when both of them are telling a joke that they know is not great, they have kind of similar. Uh, their facial expressions are, are, you know, just the, like the acknowledgement of like, this is bad, but I'm going to sell it. And they, b- yeah. they both can, you know, they both were masters at that. And he was such a great guest on Let Him In as well. Yeah. Did you, did you ever watch um, SNL and when he did his Let Him In impression? Oh my God. 
I forgot about that. Was that way like uh, you, you got any gum? Yeah, you yes. Gum? You're the, I've been doing that all like the last like the last twenty four hours. I've been doing like, like no one's no one gets that. No one saw it. I'm so glad you referenced oh, that. Oh man, that was exactly what Letterman was like <laughs> at that time too. Uh, this guy comes up to me. He goes, uh, "You got any gum?" <laughs> and then, and then uh, I think it was either Mark McKinney or Chris Japan <laughs> was playing um, uh, Paul Schaefer because they yes. both did it. And then he'd be like, yeah, uh, "Gum, yeah, gum." And then and then Norm has let him go. Yeah, that's right, gum. <laughs> 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 Folks, I, I, you I gotta love watch that. that. Oh man. He did a few sketches like that. I forgot what, what was the other. It wasn't it wasn't gum every time. I don't know. Oh, the no, other one. I said Arliss. Arliss. <laughs> Just kept saying. Remember that TV show Arliss? Yeah, the Arliss. The, the, the yeah, do, do you like the Arliss? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Arliss. 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 <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then he just thought that. <laughs> yeah. I, oh man, that was. I forgot about this Letterman. It was amazing. It was, and then he did a subtle thing at the end, where like when the show would be over, like you know the the, the fake Letterman show, he would just get up and drop the jacket and walk off, which is what Letterman did. Oh yeah, he was perfect. He was perfect, so and he he will be missed. And you know it's it, you know comedy. We we we've we've lost a bunch of great ones recently, and this one this one I don't know, man. It, for me, it, it stung. I, I didn't. I don't. I don't know about you. I didn't see it coming. Did you know he was sick? No, I had no idea he was sick. This is like uh, almost like when when uh, David Bowie died, and nobody even knew he was sick. Yeah, right. It, it, all of a sudden, like you, you I, see, I, I'd heard like rumblings of him being sick, and then like oh. he just went so quickly. I I heard nothing. Yeah, I, I heard no rumblings of anything. Yeah, um, I, no I think part of that For had to do because he had come out with uh, what was it called, uh, Black Star? Black Star? Yeah, the, the last album and the, and the last uh, video, and it was kind of like a kind of like a precursor, like like you know he it was kind of like in the early '90s when um, when Freddie uh, you know did like the you know the last album, the last Queen album, Innuendo, uh -huh. and he you know they did a video for. Uh, these are the days of our lives. Oh, it was, just kind, of, you it was said, just kind of like a. For some reason, you said Black Star, and I'm thinking Norm Macdonald. Yeah, I know the David Bowie Black Star. Yeah, I, I right. Heard. I don't right. know. So I, I was like, the, I don't know that Norm Macdonald album Black Star. No, no, no. So <laughs> yes. yeah, so with, with uh, Bowie, yeah, that was kind of like a little bit of a foreshadowing. Like it was kind of yeah, like that was yeah. just like. Well, but that music video where he's in the hospital bed that came out like two days before he died. Right. So it was it was sort of some foreshadowing, you know, very briefly. It was like the video right. came out on a Friday and then he died on a Sunday. So it was like That's still pretty I shocking. And I, and I remember waking up on Monday and like, you know, like we, how you get all your information. You go on social media first to look and see your messages. And then everybody is posting uh, uh, a rest in peace, David Bowie, pictures of David Bowie. And you're like, this isn't going to be good. That yeah. was remember that was like 2016 when you had all those huge celebrity uh, music deaths. Yeah, yeah, that was remember? that one was rough too. You know, Bowie and and Prince and uh, yeah. And, and did you like the Glenn Fry? I mean, no. 
I had nothing. I have nothing against Glenn Fry. Was he in the Eagles? Yeah, he was in the Eagles. That's why your favorite band. We, we, yeah, we yeah, never really I... did, yeah. We never really properly got a chance to, uh, to talk about the merits of, of the Hotel yeah. California album. Mm-hmm. Yeah, underrated, Eagles, I think. Completely wow, underrated. very underrated. You no, know, it doesn't get enough uh, FM airplay. <laughs> <laughs> but let's talk about something that does get enough FM airplay. Um, so what we were doing this month uh, in September um, is we were doing our high school album, you know, back to you know September, back to school month. People are back in, in school now. And we were talking about not necessarily our favorite album of all time, not necessarily the best of anything, but just like an album that brings you back to high school. And this one was a little surprising that, 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 that you, you feel. First of all, um, introduce it. You know, this is your album. So why don't you talk a little oh, bit yeah. about it? Uh, we're talking about the third Foo Fighters album, There's Nothing Left to Lose. Um, so do you have stuff you wanted to, I don't, I don't have to do like a whole thing off the top, but. No, no, I, I, I'll, I'll, I'll talk a little bit about it. Um, I, this, you were in high school in 99? Yeah, I started high school in uh, 98. I was uh, a freshman. So this, this album came out when I was a, a sophomore. In high school. And when did you go to high school? So uh, freshman year, I was in Staten Island at uh, Moore oh. Catholic High School, which you probably... You went to Moore Catholic High School? Uh, or somewhere. For one year, I did, yeah. I used to be a and teacher then I transferred at Moore Catholic High School. To... Really? Yeah. When, I, when did I, you I, was probably not I was, in, I was there. I was at... I, when, yeah, did you say you were there? 98? Dude, I missed you Fall by one year. I missed really? you by one year. I was not only <laughs> not only was I a teacher, I was also uh, a dean, and then I coached the football oh, team. Oh man! Yeah, but that wow. Well, I wouldn't. You wouldn't have seen me with anything having to do with football over there. But uh, yeah, the dean. I remember the dean was always on my case because I always was trying to grow my hair long, and you can you can probably miss the hurricane, in a right? Private school. Do you remember? Yes. It was a, yeah. I mean, I f- completely forgot that name until just now when you said it. But yes, that was the, yeah. Wow. wow that's crazy. Always on my case. I would always like, because they would check to see when you were walking in the hallways, if it was like over your collar. And I was right, always like, was like hunched over with my head like forward. So my hair wasn't, what didn't look too long. Those following me, that, that it was a Catholic school on Staten Island. And Anthony went to the school. Holy crap. And where'd you go after that? Uh, then I went to a school in Brooklyn uh, called Brooklyn Studio, which at the time, um, when I transferred, they didn't have seniors yet. It was such a new school that the the first, like the, I guess they were like easing the kids in, so they they it went up to junior year, uh, and then the the year after that, then there were seniors. So was it? So I was, was like it, the uh, second graduating class. Was it a performing arts school? They were supposed to have like uh, TV studio equipment, which I think they had technically, but no, they didn't have anywhere to set it up. So they just had this equipment like in the office. <laughs> so no one got to, it, it, nobody got to use any, any of it, but it was, uh, it was like, so the school is in Bensonhurst and that is where uh, my cousin lived. Uh, and that's where all of our friends lived. So we, we started playing music together. And so 
uh, when I moved to that neighborhood, then we were like, you know, we were able to do band rehearsals every day and we were, um, we started playing shows and stuff. So it was, uh, it was a very welcomed, uh, transition, you know? So this album comes out, uh, in 99. So you're a sophomore in high school. Um, mm-hmm. and interestingly enough, I, I didn't know this until I just looked it up. Um, I thought Taylor Hawkins was with the band from its inception. This is the first album he's with the band. Yeah. Yeah. I saw them. Um, I, you know, I never saw them live with the original drummer. Um, but yeah, Taylor joined the band for the tour for this, um, for the color and the shape. Uh, so right after they put it out, he joined the band and he toured for that album. And, uh, I saw them a couple of times. I saw them with Pat Smear on that tour. And then later in the tour, Pat Smear left the band and they had, uh, Franz, Franz Stahl. I think he was, uh, right, in, yeah. in Scream, the eighties, uh, hardcore band Scream. Um, that Dave Grohl was the drummer in for, for a bit. So, uh, so he was playing guitar, but yeah, so this was, and I don't know if you know this, but even though this is the first album that Taylor Hawkins was in the band for, um, he doesn't play drums on all the songs. On this album, on, uh, there's, on, nothing, on there left is nothing left to lose. Um, is he, Dave is Grohl plays on some of the songs. What's that? Oh, Gro- Grohl plays. He plays on some of the songs and, uh, it's kind of interesting because there's no definitive answer to who plays on what songs, except it has been confirmed uh, that Dave Grohl plays drums on uh, Learn to Fly. And uh, Taylor Hawkins has said in interviews that he played drums on Aurora. Um mm. And he sort of said that he played on kind of the softer songs and he kind of let Dave Grohl handle a lot of the, uh, the more hard rocking songs just cause he wasn't as comfortable in the studio at that time. Cause he was just it's coming funny. off of that tour with Alanis Morissette and then touring with, That's right. he was in Alanis Morissette's yeah. band, That's, but he didn't yeah. play on any of the albums. So he did the Alanis Morissette tour, uh, without playing on the album. He did the Foo Fighters tour without having played on that album. And, and then now he's in the studio with, Dave Grohl, who in 1999 was still, um, you know, people remembered him. <laughs> they remembered him as the drummer from Nirvana more than they remembered him as the guy from the Foo Fighters. So a little bit of an in- more intimidating at that time to be in a band with him. Oh, absolutely. The funny thing is with Taylor Hawkins, he's so identifiable with Foo Fighters, you know, yeah. like, like he, it's like, you know, Dave Grohl and then, you know, okay, the other guy with the long blonde hair is Taylor Hawkins yeah. and he's so prominent in the videos and everything. Right. Yeah. But isn't Taylor Hawkins in the video for Everlong? Yes. So he, he joined the but, band. Like, I think he might even be in, he's in the video for, for uh monkey wrench too, I think. Okay, and, he, and um, but he didn't play on on the on that album. No, the Dave Grohl plays uh, almost every single drum part. There was a, there's ha, a, the the first song "Doll" is the is William Goldsmith, the original drummer, and um, half of "Up in Arms" has him. The slow slow intro, and then and then uh, so that's it. 
So he he must have. I mean, he he joined probably bef- uh, right before the album came out because he did, he did the whole tour. So he did all the videos. He he did the tour. I mean, they would have had to prepare. They knew that this album was going to be big. They weren't going to. They weren't going di- to. It's a very for- different album of their uh, from their first two albums. I think. Right? Yeah. Would you say that? I, I would say all three are different from each other. You know, the first one is David Grohl playing all the instruments. Um, so that has a different sound. You know, it's almost like a, a demo in, in a way. Like it's it's uh, it's not as produced. Then the color and the shape is like this big kind of slick rock and roll, you know, pop rock album. Um, for for, for the first yeah, yeah. No, and then and then the um, there's nothing left to lose. Was uh, they whenever it's talked about, they always talk stress how it was like kind of the softer side or or, or whatever. Like there's right, and there's a handful of uh, you know kind of sl- slower songs on there, but even a lot of the slow ones have moments where they rock really hard. You know, like a song like Aurora at the end. It it gets real loud and the 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 drum part that Taylor Hawkins is playing is like just he's just destroying. I mean it's like all these cool fills and he's hitting hard and stuff. Um, but this has so much melody. This album, uh, which the color and the shape also had melody, but this was like they recorded it in uh, a. Dave Grohl's home studio that he built. He like bought a house in Virginia uh, and, and put a studio in the basement and they were recording, writing and recording at the same time. I think they didn't have much uh, material going into the sessions and they would do like barbecues after the sessions were over and stuff. So that like, this is just kind of a feel good album where they wanted to kind of separate themselves from the rest of the, you know, industry people and stuff. And, uh, just make like a fun, a fun album. When I look at the evolution of Foo Fighters and I went back and looked, just looked at the, um, the first album. And I mean, I remember the first, the first song I ever heard from them was this is a call. Oh yeah. And great, okay, song. I, I, and great, great song. Right. Yeah. You know, like a hard song, you know, you know, it's like, okay, this is the direction this band can go in. And then uh, I think the second single was I'll stick around. Yeah. I'll stick around. Uh, it's kind of a hard riff. <laughs> Something like that. Yeah, right. So, and uh, and then Big Me was like another oh, yeah. uh, big one. Oh, that's not in tune. I, I don't know what the chords are. It starts with that C. Well, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, at times that still sounds good to me, man. I like it. And yeah, so that, that that's the first. But, and then two years later, they came out, out with the album that you mentioned, um, The Color and the Shape. And m- remember how hard Monkey Wrench was? Because I think oh, yeah. that was the first single. That okay? was, yeah, that was definitely the first single. That, that was such a great song. And then you had Everlong and My Hero, which was mm-hmm. so such a cool song. Um, and then this. And I read yeah. somewhere where Grohl said he wanted this to kind of be like their white album. And I, I'm not quite sure what yeah. he means by that. You know, I don't know if he wants us to be there. 
I'm not a huge. Well, I, I, I have a feeling that because they split up the, the drumming duties and because they, they didn't even have, so we're talking about Taylor Hawkins joining the, you know, he's been in the band or whatever, but he doesn't play on all the songs, but they didn't have a, a second guitar player when they recorded this. So it was the three of them working on stuff and, and Dave Grohl's playing like a lot of the instruments. And I, I have a feeling that maybe that kind of added to that white album feeling because you know, Paul McCartney's playing drums on some of those songs and everybody's it, it's, it's like a bunch of solo albums, but mashed together. Maybe, so, maybe that's, maybe know, maybe, that's, maybe that's sort of contributed. But when you and look plus at they, how, you know, they, they all lived in the house together. They the lived, they, you know, while they were recording, they lived. Yeah. So that's ah. like, I mean, they went to Virginia, not India, like the Beatles did with the white album, but you know, they all left LA to go to Virginia and record this album in a house. So that, maybe just that vibe. I think, listen, I'm not the biggest Foo Fighter fan in the world. It's not, it's not a band I, I dislike. But you know they're not like in my top mm-hmm. ten or probably even my top twenty bands. But I but I but I like them. I like them. Um, when you look at like from the, the four years earlier to what that the first album was to what there's nothing left to lose is it's it's a it's a big change mm-hmm. in such a short amount of time. Yeah, you know? uh, yeah. I don't think there's but I but. It, it just, it felt like there was that much of a change in between the first album and the color and the shape. And then that much of a yes. change in between the color and the shape and there's nothing left to lose. And that, that was one of the things I, I loved at, at that time. You know, it's like, it's the third album. And, and at this time they were my favorite band because so like Nirvana was the band that made me want to be a musician. And then I started playing music, but then now Nirvana doesn't exist anymore and the Foo Fighters exist, so they kind of took that that place uh, for me. And and so, you know, my my new favorite band, you know, they keep putting out albums that sound so different and kind of experimental. But to me, it sounded like it made sense that it was, you know, the same same basic. I mean, I guess the lineup had changed with every every one of those albums, but you know, Dave Grohl was sort of, the, it was his vision. So it was like, it made sense to me that it was the same band putting out all these albums, but I, I loved how different they were. That was part of the appeal it, to me. It, listen, this, this was a huge album. It wound up uh, getting winning a Grammy for best uh, mm-hmm. rock album. Best rock album? Um, yeah. Yeah. It was it won best rock album. Um and it's funny that you, everyone's going to make some type of analogy about Nirvana and Foo Fighters, but you know the way you just put it. And if you take the first song off this album, uh, Stack the Actors, okay? Oh, yeah. Um, I don't know how to... It's a really pretty cool opening song. I don't know, something like that. But, but I don't. I don't know. Did, did, does it remind? Because for me, it does. Does it remind you of uh, a little bit of a lithium type of vibe? You know, like the Nirvana oh, song. Yeah, I, I, I could hear that. I, I didn't hear that at the time. Um, but yeah, I guess I could. I mean, it's tuned different. I, they're they're in like drop A tuning or something. 
Uh, I'm not saying it's a it's a, it's a tribute to uh, to Nirvana, but, but it's it just like you know, I'm listening to it. I'm like, you know, I, I could feel the um, the Nirvana lithium uh, influence uh, in this mm-hmm. one, and it, and it is a departure from their their previous two albums. Um, maybe you know better than I because I don't. Um, what actors is he talking about? Um, I don't know what so- I don't know what actors, but uh, I have heard. Um- like music journalists um, say that a lot of those lyrics are sort of attacking Courtney Love. Um, and she was doing some acting at that time. So I. And she was maybe, a blonde because there's a reference about two blonde yeah. Uh, actresses. Yeah. So, so uh, yeah, maybe, maybe he's talking about her. But maybe just an overall uh, sentiment on Hollywood. And, and and then let, let, let's go down a little bit on, on the playlist on uh, just like some of these songs. Uh, I like Breakout, which I think is the second song on it yes. as well. A um, little bit more of a power punk feel here, right? Yeah. Anthony played it as if it was background dinner music. <laughs> <laughs> that would be like the coolest restaurant ever, by the way. Huh? That'd be like the coolest restaurant ever if you're playing like some some. Uh, oh yeah, I'm just like what, music. you're eating like a some kind of pasta dish, and I'm, I'm playing <laughs> the, just playing acoustic yeah. Foo Fighters song. And your salads will be out in five minutes. <laughs> Enjoy the pasta. <laughs> It's interesting. These chords, those are the chords from, from uh, Breakout, but they're also the chords from um, uh, Dave Grohl wrote, wrote a song called uh, Marigold, which uh, was like, he recorded a demo uh, while he was in Nirvana, but Nirvana actually recorded the song uh, as a B-side for, I forget what song it was for on In Utero. Can you play, can, uh, you, can, you, can, you, can you show us a little bit? like that and then breakout goes like so it's got all the same chords just in a different order okay so it sounds familiar but where is the variation here? like what changes it what makes it not the same song it starts on a different chord that's the other song this sounds a little more mellow. Yeah, it's a slower song. But I just I just noticed right now while we were talking that it's the same chords. As we were doing the Nirvana Foo Fighter comparison, so that, that was... Uh, I love anyway. that. that. And that, that sounded great to me, man. That sounded really good. <laughs> and then the, um, the, the huge single off this, which also sparked, I think, one of the best rock videos in like the last oh, yeah. 20 some odd years. Man, Learn to Fly. Oh, yeah. how much fun and great is that video? Uh, the video is great with um, Tenacious D in there playing the, uh, they're trying to sabotage the, the plane. <laughs> and uh, how is Grohl not like an actor at this point in his career? He did a lot of the videos for and a breakout. I think also had a funny video because that was on the soundtrack for uh, me, myself, and Irene. 
What? Um, wow. And so the the video was a little bit funny too. I can't remember exactly. It was something that was they're at a drive-in movie, but um, Dave Grohl was doing a lot of kind of he's doing a lot of comedy in the videos, and uh, I am kind of surprised it didn't turn into something more. You know, yeah, he, he didn't, he didn't get legit. bit parts in the movie. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's legit funny. He's very funny. Yeah. Like his faces are great, his timing is great. You know, it's <laughs> well, he did end up. It's not easy. He he did end up being in the Tenacious D movie playing uh, the devil. Did anybody see that movie? I didn't say it. Well, that's another story. I I do <laughs> I love that that movie and the the soundtrack is is great. He plays drums on the soundtrack as well. So that's what he does. Great. You know, he's, he plays on everything. He's in, he's in every band. The guy, you know what? I've, I've, I'm starting to ha- have enough. Of, of Dave Grohl. I mean, the, the, he can play guitar great. He can play drums great. He wasn't in one uh, like iconic band. He's in two iconic bands. He's a he's a funny actor. Um, from what I hear, he is like the nicest guy in the world. A kind like, and he's he's cool. You know, it's like you know how, how much. You know what he is? He's the Tom Brady of music. Oh. It's, you know, it's, it's like God has done enough for this guy. Now it's time <laughs> to give somebody else a chance. Oh man, yeah. Well, you know, it's <laughs> it's funny. We were so I watched them when they when they I watched on TV when they did uh, Lollapalooza. It was on. I watched it on Hulu, and uh, you know they did this like they played for like two hours. They did all their hits, you know, it's like just this kind of career spanning set that they did. And, and it, it reminded me of when I saw them opening for the Rolling Stones in like 97 or 98 or whatever it was, um, on the color and the shape tour. Um, but they did part of the tour opening for the Rolling Stones and it was just weird. Cause I was there, you know, it's like, I went to see the Foo Fighters <laughs> And the Rolling Stones, I thought were great. They played like, you know, 30 years worth of hits or whatever. And then now I'm like, not, not so young anymore watching on TV and the Foo Fighters did like 25, 26 years of, of, uh, you know, their set was spanning 26 years or whatever. So I watched the Foo Fighters turn into the Rolling Stones. It's sick. (laughs) It's sick that the Foo Fighters are around over 20 years. I remember yeah. when they first came out and you're like, oh, who are this, this band's even going to stay together. I'm so curious to see what Dave Grohl is going to be like without Kurt Cobain. And, you know, I think in some cases, you know, you can easily argue that uh, Foo Fighters have surpassed, uh, uh, you know, Nirvana, you know, in, it, in, in certain ways, you right. know, maybe, uh, I mean, albums sold maybe, uh, I don't remember if I'm sure they must have won a Grammy, but um, I think it's. Well, they it, don't, it's, don't even give. I don't even think they give out rock album uh, Grammys anymore. If it's not a uh, hip hop or pop, uh, it, you know the genre doesn't exist. Yeah, but you know, there's I. I don't know that as much as I loved the Foo Fighters at any point in my life. I don't think that they changed the course of rock music the way that Nirvana did when they came out. 
so that, there's always that sort of argument. Yeah, that's that's a different show. Um, <laughs> but be, I, yeah. I'm sure they've sold more, you know, because they've put out more albums as a band. They they've you know, and they've done yeah, well, huge festivals been around for a lot longer more years. Yeah, they've had time to uh, collect all the accolades. But uh, but going back to this album, another interesting choice on because this album there for me. I didn't think there were any bad songs on it, to be honest with no. you. You know, like this is an album that was fairly easy to listen to all the way through and say, okay, I'm enjoying this. Different sounds, definitely different sounds, you know, on, on, on this. You know, every everything had its own, you know, definitely had its own place uh on 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 the on the track list. One that particularly stands out is generator. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, I think the you think I think you know where I'm going with this is this was Dave Grohl doing uh, Peter Frampton comes yeah. alive, you know, doing the talk box. That's to play thought, yeah, the talk box from uh, <laughs> from all the Frampton hits. Uh, Frampton or, or Joel Walsh? Joe Walsh? Yeah, in Rocky Mountain Way. Hmm. I'm sure that the first time I heard the the voice box thing was was Frampton. Everyone, I'm not sure. Everyone knew Frampton. Um, Rocky Mountain. Joe Walsh came out with it, I think, before. Um, But Frampton, you know, popularized it. You know, do you feel like we do? You know, and and you know, Frampton comes alive because you know just. It was issued to people, obviously, you know, growing yeah. up. Um, but what a what a what an interesting choice! And again, good song. And then, uh, give me stitches. Mm-hmm. Okay, there's another song I find like really super catchy. Yeah, so there's a lot of good music on this. Something like that. It almost that almost sounds a little bit like a Psycho Killer, Fucking uh, Heads. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I, I, yeah, I, I love how experimental. I, I don't think, I don't think they've ever experimented as much on an album after this. They they were perfecting the kind of quiet, loud dynamic. You know, like the verses would be kind of soft, and the choruses would be louder. But everything had so much. There was so much melody everywhere, which I think is. You know that I, they always talk about it as like the softer side or whatever, but it's just more melody. There's a lot of guitar, drums are hard, everything. You know, it it, it rocks. Pretty. Although, I think it probably was a sort of intentional. It must have been a, a sort of intentional reaction to how popular new metal was at that time. This is what do you mean ninety. Well, like, like I mean, they, it's almost like they're metal. It, it sounds like maybe they're intentionally going the other way with their music rather than uh, okay. trying to, you know, be like louder and noisier than new metal bands. So if we're talking. Because the 99. color and the shape came out in 97, right? They like right. end of 97. Uh, before there's uh in the mainstream you know corn and limp biscuit and and slipknot and stuff like that but then this album comes out at the height of the popularity of that of that stuff okay 
Okay. Yeah. I, good call. I, I definitely see that. Let me ask you this. Um, this is your album. Um, mm-hmm. What is it about this album that relates to high school with you? Uh, well, so I, um, when this came out, well, so the color, I almost picked the color and the shape, even though it came out before I was in high school, because that album is, it's just so good. And it, I mean, for most of high school, that was probably my favorite album of all time. Um, and so when this one was coming out, I, you know, I was, I was anticipating it. Uh, I was, I was lo- looking forward to its release and they did. Where'd you, some, where'd you buy it? I bought it at, I think it was HMV. Is that what the place was called? Uh, was it like, was it like a, a box store that was in the mall? It was a record store. It was like, you know, Tower Records or whatever. I think it was called okay. HMV. Um, but I got it there because if you bought it like at midnight when the album came out, then you were able to come to the in-store performance the next day or whatever day it was. Uh, and, you know, so so I, I had the CD and um, then I went to the I went to the show and then they did a they signed all the CDs afterwards. So, so I bought this and I got it signed and I was like all excited wow. to, to, to like meet, you know, meet them. Um, do you still have it? I have it somewhere. I don't have it here in this apartment, but I, I still have it somewhere. The CD came with a fake tattoo of the, you know, cause it's got Dave Grohl's right, right. Yeah, Foo yeah. Fighter tattoo on the back of his neck. So it came with a little fake tattoo and, uh, and yeah, I have it, I have it, I have it signed somewhere. How was the in-store performance? I mean, I remember it being amazing. I, <laughs> I, I mean, I'm sure they were tight. You know, they were playing in a house for months or whatever. So uh, I just, I mean, it was so cool just to to see them in a space that small too, you know, to like be as, as close to them as, as that. Because that's not going to be your experience anymore, seeing the Foo Fighters. You're never going to be like just a couple of yards from them. <laughs> there is nothing like seeing a great band as it's ascending or as they're like at their peak in yeah. a small place, like, like, like a, like a private or, or special performance like that. The only time I, I mean, I'm not gonna say the only time there's been a few times, but probably the most standout time for me was in New York city. I, Anthony, do you remember there was a place called the Palladium on 14th street? Yeah, but I don't think that was, I don't think it was there by the time I was going okay. to shows. Yeah, because right now it, it's dorms for NYU, but it's called, but the building's called Palladium. Um, and it was, it was kind of like a, a, a mid-level um, concert hall. And then they, then when it, it stopped being a concert hall, it became kind of like a, almost like a dance club type of thing, you know, where they would do performances. And I got invited to go see Prince. And I was like, right there like like prince was literally like I, if i want to grab go out and grab his leg i could have you know <laughs> it was such a That's small great. intimate performance and i think that was on the around the world in a day tour so when, when, it was when a fundraiser for, for something you know i think that's the one with uh, raspberry beret oh okay so this is like 80s yeah this late is going to be like late 80s late 80s wow. maybe early 90s something like that you know but oh man that is insane um before we go on to um 
to new music uh, or new album releases. Jay, are there any uh, comments out there? Anybody have anything to say to me, Anthony? Or do they hate us? <laughs> well, I don't know. It's, I don't even know if they agree with our uh, with our, our choices or things we've said about it. But, I don't even know if Joe's, yeah, Jay this is, is just, even here anymore. Yeah, he's here. Yeah, you there? But all right. Well, we, we, at least we got <laughs> the spirit. We, we can see what the uh, tattoo looks like, at least. Wait. Ah, see, I told I told him you were here. I don't know. He was, he was freaking out they, about it. <laughs> <laughs> oh okay Oh. oh, also we forgot to mention he also played uh, Death on uh, Family Guy. Norm, yeah, he did. It was him, and then Adam Carolla also played Death. Well, similar voices. Yeah, that nasally voice. Yeah, yeah. Ah. But just something funny about Norm Macdonald being the Grim Reaper. Yeah, he was great. God, he was um, one of my favorites. Just so so good. So good. So good. Um, okay. So before we wrap up here, uh, I just wanted to bring out uh, some kind of interesting, uh, just uh, usually Adam uh, talks about new music and uh, we missed this one because uh, last week uh, Adam was, also, was still in LA and, you know, he's, if anyone's watching, I think this week, they just, it's either going to be this week or next week that debuting the new set for Entertainment Tonight. Um, Ooh, Adam, wow. yeah, Adam uh, basically built that set. You know, he's the one that designed it. He like, uh, he put up the panels and like, you know, we, we, we were lucky enough. We have him uh, uh, with us on this show and he produces my other dopey show. Um <laughs> But he's also, you know, but Adam's also like a hardcore music guy, just like me, uh, you and Dustin are. And um, so he usually talks about like the new music that's coming out. So the the, the new release uh, that people absolutely, you guys got to check out is, oh, I'm so excited about this, is the new Iron Maiden, uh, Genzitsu. It's, uh, you know, it, it has Eddie, you know, the, the, the mascot as a samurai holding the samurai sword and uh it debuted on uh on uh, last week uh last uh last week and it came this is iron maiden with this lineup has been putting out albums well you know you got the first two but with bruce as the singer came out in 1983 with number of the beast this album in 2021 in september of 2021 is their highest debut u.s album came out number three not just on the rock music uh charts because it's number one on the rock music but overall on total music charts Iron Maiden Jinzinsu is the number three album debut, highest debuting album for uh, Iron Maiden ever in the United States. Wow. 
Well, oh yeah, and I forgot to tell you this, Anthony. It's a double album. Oh, a double There's album. That much music on it. When was their last album before this? Their last album before this was Carnival of Souls, and that's going to be, oh, I'm going to say around 2016, maybe. Oh, okay. Yeah, something well, in that. They, they had enough time to write a double album. I feel like. Well, well, this is what I think. Uh, you know, we should be starting to expect. I think. Um, I, I think put out three during, albums since tw- March 2020. So well, that, that's I made it needs to do more writing. Right. <laughs> yeah, to the slackers. Um, <laughs> yes, I, I think uh, you'll, you'll probably start seeing a lot of uh, new music, new releases as we get closer to Christmas. And a lot of that music was probably written during the lockdown when people mm-hmm. have nothing to do. And I think you're going to start to see new releases from classic bands like Iron Maiden, uh, like Priest, I think, has a new album out as well. And they're on tour right oh, now yeah. on, the, on their 50th uh, year together as a band. Crazy. Um, <laughs> great comment. Uh, somebody wrote uh, they had a they had a pandemic. It should have been a triple album. That's what that's, I'm saying. That's really funny. And I that's put out very, three albums. Very true. I, I mean, I broke them up, but they could have done a triple album or three separate albums. <laughs> Get with it. I'm working on my fourth since then. <laughs> right now. Um, yeah, and 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 I wrote. Um, Three and a half new minutes worth of material in that, since uh, March 2020. <laughs> oh, well, that's uh, something. You can, you can put out a three minute. That's like a single. You can put out a yeah, comedy you can put single. Out a single. Um, yeah, it's three and a half. But you know what? It's three and a half minutes I'm proud of. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a good three and a half minutes. Uh, Changing. Um, what was the guy? I forgot what I was going to say here. With, uh, with, 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 oh, yeah. With, um, with this, nothing left to lose. Um, was was vinyl available back then, or was uh, or, or ninety nine was was I, we, were, I don't we think were already so. transitioned to CDs. I mean the tra- yeah the transition. I don't know if the transition back was starting. I don't think it was starting to happen yet. Uh, hmm. I think that was still one of those albums that did not originally get a, a vinyl release. <clears throat> I don't remember it starting to happen until uh, you know like around two thousand two maybe. Am I frozen yeah. or are you frozen? No, no. Neither one of us. We, we're, we're just like oh. boring. Um, oh, I just, I, your video <laughs> is frozen for me. So, oh, maybe um, yeah, I think, I think vinyl started coming back. I started noticing it like, uh, like around the time where it was like the hives and the vines and uh, like Queens of the Stone Age uh, with Songs for the Deaf. I think that was, I saw that on vinyl when it was new. But I don't think that this album had a vinyl release originally. Another, another band that um, Grohl played with was Stones of the uh, oh, so Queen of the Stone Age. Yeah, you ever see the video for "No One Knows"? Yes, I and almost he, picked that album, but I think really? that that album, I think it came out in two thousand and two. So I was a, a starting college. I was a freshman in college at that point. So I was like, ah, I just missed it. That's a really um, good one too. That yeah, that that one almost and, that was uh, very influential for me. And talk about a fun, funny uh, uh, video for uh, no one knows. Great one. Yeah. Um, all right. Hey, so you know what? Uh, you got to go do your show tonight. Yeah, um, I have a show. And this hour flew by, man. It was yeah. great hanging with you. Yeah, this was good. I, I'm I'm glad I didn't pick something that you hate. 
even though it's not in your top 10 or whatever, I, I'm glad uh, we can. Yeah, well, you know, I think by now you have kind of an idea what my musical tastes are. You know, yeah, um, there, there's a lot of, of overlap di- with us, but there's with some me of me and you? Yeah. In what universe is there overlap between me and you? You like okay. the Beatles? <laughs> yes, love the Beatles. All right. There you go. Love- What's a start? Okay, so, so we could agree on the Beatles. <laughs> but that's like saying you Punk like food? rock? Yeah, yeah. I feel yes. like you, you yeah, like, uh, yeah, the early, like you know yeah. early punk Ramones and stuff Clash, right? I mean you like that stuff. <laughs> I don't know if I'm frozen or he's frozen. So, oh okay. <laughs> okay, <laughs> it was you. I thought it was me for a second, so I didn't. No, I didn't no, say anything. It did freeze. We just were eight. We were just a, almost made it through without a tech, technicality. All right, guys. Um, thank you so much for joining us on Dustin Vinyl. Uh, next week we'll be back with the whole crew. Uh, Actually, I'll be do. I no, I won't be around next week. I'll be uh, at the Terragram Ballroom, probably loading in and doing sound check and all that for the show. Well, listen, check out Anthony in L.A. Uh, check out Anthony's uh, CDs. Uh, yeah, I, yeah, that's, that's right now. I am. I will be here. And uh, Dustin will be here, and hopefully Adam will be here. And you know, those of you that get, are in out in LA, go see Anthony Kaffer. Uh, it's, where's Dustin? Dustin is in Vegas. I think he'll be in Vegas. Yeah, he's in Vegas now, right? Maybe he's there now. He'll be there well, next listen, week, I think. If you want, you can. Guys, what you should do? Go, uh, go on uh, social media. It's very easy to find. You put in Dustin Chafin. Dustin Chafin is on the road. Uh, uh, he headlines. He, he he performs with with guys like Nate Bargatze and T.J. Miller, and like you know, and you know, for, my guy, like he's got guys all over the place. So uh, check him out. Uh, me, if you're ever in New York, check out a Jeffrey Paul show, or uh, I'll be at the uh, Connecticut folks. I'll be at the uh, Oxford uh, Funny Bone. Uh, at the end of the month, you can catch me there. And um, nice. maybe next time I'll tell my story about how I performed at a strip, uh, at a, uh, at a, uh, uh, what they do, a nudist colony. The nudist? You did? Oh, yeah. You told me about it. I told that. I told you about that. Okay. Guys, <laughs> this has been fun, man. I, I really did have a good time. I'm, I'm, I'm losing it now. I don't know. Anthony, you're not in New York right now. It is like 97 degrees and humid. Oh. In New York, Ooh. it's gross. It stinks. I and I hate hot like weather. It. And this and this was the yeah, day I, I chose to close my pool. So uh, I, yeah, I, I don't make good Open decisions Open that baby either. up. I, I know, but, but it's all cold showers for me for the rest of uh, the month. <laughs> all right, guys. Yeah, uh, for Anthony Kaffer and myself, uh, we'll we'll catch you next week on Dustin's Vinyl. Take care, everybody. See Bye, you Jay. Later. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live.